Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, really happy that you could join me. I'm happy you've chosen to listen in on this podcast. Um, I'm really excited. I've been noticing a a resurgence of safety podcasts uh, returning. Uh, They were early in the podcast years. There were a lot of people who jumped out there and kind of led the way. There was a decline there for a little while of finding good safety podcasts. And now I'm starting to see a lot more come back again. So fantastic. Hope you're listening to a lot of them out there as you're interested in the safety world. Again, hopefully I'm your favorite. <laughs> uh, but again, I'm happy you've chosen to join me on this podcast. I just I love doing this. So uh, thanks. Appreciate uh, you listening in. So I wanted to start with something positive. Uh, I know safety sometimes always seems like that negative, that we're always talking about what happened in the past and why did it happen and how do we prevent it? We learn a lot from that. And as everyone, you probably heard this before, but every OSHA regulation is written in blood. It did take significant injuries, significant fatalities before a lot of those acts were enacted or revised. And so it's good to see things that really impact that positivity that comes with safety. And this is just an interesting story that I, I, this is something I personally witnessed. So last week I was on vacation. Uh, We took the kids and my wife and we went out on a little bit of a road trip crossing across Kentucky, just wanting to see some roadside things, uh, kind of a simple uh, road trip style vacation. And uh, we ended up at a like an indoor arcade go-karts mini golf place for the kids uh, one night to let them have some fun there. And they had this go-kart track. It was indoor. It was electric. And a lot of people would make a, a bad turn at one of the corners. And this happened a few times while we were there where they would hit the gate um, or hit the wall. And they'd have to pause, reverse them, get them back in out there so they could drive again. But one hit it just right, uh, where the place where they would open it up to let you come back in and park the carts, they hit it just right, so it bent the pin, so they couldn't open it to let people park again later, so they had to stop it, and they radioed out for their maintenance guy that was on on task and on hand, and so he comes out, and I don't know why this caught my attention, I guess because you don't see the go-karts running, something changed, and so I'm looking around watching, and instead of running out there first thing and getting everyone back to where they can drive, the maintenance person stopped, knelt down by the, the, the 
go-kart, and you could definitely tell he was checking on uh, the child that was driving that go-kart. He was checking in, hey, are you okay? You sure you're all right? You feeling okay? And it wasn't just like a cursory, like, walk by, hey, how you doing? Or, you okay? Give me the look. It was actually where, I mean, you could tell he, he got down, made sure, and it, it was probably a 15-second interaction, but it was probably 13 seconds more than what it normally would have taken. And in that 15 seconds, I mean, you could really see that there was a culture at this place where we care about our people who show up here. We care. And then he went along and fixed it, and he did it pretty quickly. But I was really happy to see that a lot of times you're so focused on getting out there and just getting the repair done, getting the task done, that you'll even just, you'll do that cursory, like, hey, you all right? And you get that wave or that thumbs up and you're just gone. Um, To take that extra time, and that's really that investment, and it was 10 seconds, maybe 15 at most, of an additional investment. And for me, completely changed my perspective. I was having fun anyway. I'm a kid at heart, definitely. (laughs) But to watch that and to see that was so impactful and uh, really made me think about what kind of management they had, what kind of leadership they had, because you don't have that kind of interaction without seeing it in place. So I thought that was fantastic. And it really shows that it only takes those little touches to invest that little bit of extra in safety to build that culture and to build that attitude of caring about people and that fundamental idea of just caring. So I just thought that was fantastic. I do want to jump over uh, to follow up on a story from the last time that we chatted about in Rockton, Illinois, that chemical facility that was on fire, huge fire, um, complete loss, unfortunately. Uh, the company seems to be handling the publicity well. I mean, they did some pretty neat things to keep their team and to support the community. So some good things from a bad situation. But there's some more information about how this may have occurred. So what they know so far is that they had a contractor doing some work on some piping. They have some mineral oil that they were using. They pipe it across the the, the area of the manufacturing So they were using a scissor lift to get up into these pipes. And what it sounds like, they either bumped a pipe or bumped a valve, and a bunch of mineral oil started spilling and pooling into the floor. What they know is that they were starting to do depressurization. They were starting to shut the piping down when the fire started in that area of the mineral oil that was on the floor. They still are not sure what was the source of ignition. And I think that's going to be one of the major factors. So now we know how did we prep the area? What what was the catalyst that began, that started, that, that began this process? I think the next thing we have to understand is where did the ignition source start? Was there something going on? Was there something that was too hot? Was there hot work going on? Was there a normal process that's normally kind of warm? And there's also talk about, did the sprinkler system activate and was the sprinkler system adequate? Again, that hasn't been addressed either, and that will take some time. These are not things that they want to uh, jump into too fast. It also found out that the U.S. Chemical Safety Board, they sent out two uh, leaders out to do their investigation. And I do enjoy the Chemical Safety Board's investigations. They're very detailed 
And they really follow a process flow, a logical idea of how things happen. So I'm looking forward to seeing more on theirs. I'm sure that will take quite a bit of time. It always takes quite a bit of time to do a detailed and correct investigation at this level of complexity. And also the fact that a lot of it's gone. Um, They're going to have to use a lot of, of investigative techniques of asking questions interviews and anything of that sort, because there's not a lot to look at in the aftermath of what occurred there. So it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to following that one to see how that, how did this occur? So we now know that there was some mineral oil. How did the ignition start? Were they able to even attempt to contain it or how fast was it spreading? A lot of questions still out there of how did it happen and how do we, prevent something like that from happening again so we'll be back in just a few moments with more of the leading and learning through safety podcast you've got a friend in the safety business who wants to help your team work safer the safety dude who wants to help your leadership engage through safety again the safety dude Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamoglamated.com Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, so happy you've joined me for this episode. So this one here really hits home for me on this next article I found, something to talk about here. Um, And I'm from Kentucky, so this one caught my eye that... The Kentucky OSHA, it's a state plan, um, Kentucky OSHA had 45% more complaints than the year before in 2020. Not surprising, of course, because of COVID. But this was something that uh, we talked about and we've chatted about a few times that OSHA has constantly in the past few years, you've seen dwindling people and dwindling resources in OSHA itself, especially in some of the states, unfortunately. And for them to have a surge of 45% more complaints than normal. So so that's about a 50% increase uh, in what they were having to deal with here. And they also broke it out by industry. So I found that extremely um, interesting to look at. So manufacturing was number one. They by far had the most additional complaints, followed right behind some of your major shipping Amazon, UPS, some of your larger shipping e-commerce places, because they actually list the names here uh, of some of the sites that were having some larger complaints for them. Then they grouped everything else to other small employers as being a number three, food and restaurants uh, being a very close fourth, and medical and nursing home coming in the next two. But if you combine those, they're a very large part of what they were talking about. And then, interestingly, like car dealerships, uh, U.S. Army posts, fitness, gas stations, and entertainment also were some complaints about COVID-19. 
The report continues to talk about even though there's 45% more complaints, only 8% of them have been investigated so far. That's unfortunate. And again, it ta- it really describes the magnitude of how far and how lack of resources that are out there to do this work right now. And the longer that this goes on, the harder it is to get good information. Anyone who's ever done a safety investigation, you get this. The longer that it goes from the time that you get the complaint or you get the near miss or you get the injury to the time that you start that investigation and you start gathering that information, moments can matter. The longer it goes, the more cloudy it becomes, the more gray it becomes, the more people have time to think about what they want to say and how they want to go or where did that document go? I don't know. It's gone. But I promise you I had it. I had that document. I, I know I had it. Well, where is it now? I don't know. So you lose those things. And so this certainly, the longer that it goes on, uh, from the standpoint of investigating these claims, the harder it's going to be, even for the companies, because they're going to have to go back and they were probably prepared <laughs> at a certain degree for this. And now they've got to hold on to that. Keep it on the forefront, knowing that it could be a long time before OSHA gets to you to talk about these things. So uh, we'll continue to work through that backlog and we'll see what turns out and where they end up citing and how they end up citing and how many of these complaints um, will just go away because maybe there is a lack of information or a lack of interest from the standpoint of where someone was angered at the time or passionate about it. Time can curb that passion. And, of course, it will muddy the details a little bit. So in another interesting article that I came across, this one out of Canada, and it was a, a very large fine for a asphalt company that was doing work, and it took three years for it to go through the court system and then come out the other end with this very large and serious fine. And actually, it came across with some ramifications legally for some of the people involved, as that happens in Canada some a lot more frequently than in the U.S. And what happened was there was a a new construction person. They were working uh, 12-hour shifts. It ran all the time. They were about two weeks into their project, and he was pulled into a piece of equipment and ultimately lost his life because of that. And the idea behind it was he was trying to unjam something, so trying to get the the movement back in to get the, the machine to feed, and it had jammed and trying to work through it. And this is a common experience in a lot of different manufacturing. A lot of manufacturing have these issues where the machine is jammed. It's a basic jam. How do we get it flowing again without having to do that full lockout tag out? Because that time is money. We hear that a lot. And I've come across that in in various industries, uh, especially with anything that has a lot of feed or a lot of box making, and because the machines will jam up. And a lot of times you'll look over and somebody will be into the machine, arm deep, pulling stuff out, throwing junk out of it, just trying to loosen it up to where they can restart it. And a lot of times they want to avoid the logout tagout because it just takes too long, supposedly. And there's some creative aspects of looking at that because lockout tagout is made to protect a person. It's not made to protect a piece of equipment. 
And one of the ideas that I had done in the past was I came up with a tool that you could reach into the machine without putting your body in any harm at all. And you could pull stuff out with it, or you could do the full lockout tag out. There were people who preferred to still do the full lockout tag out because they knew how bad the jam could be. But there was a lot of times you could use the tool, use that little gripper that we created to pull the, the excess cardboard out or push it down through the bottom. And then you could sweep it out later to get the machine up and running. And you would not put yourself in any harm. And that's the key. Are we equipping our team with the tools that they need not to have to put their body in harm uh, that would keep them safe, that it would assure that if that pole got grabbed, it wouldn't hurt them, but it might it might feed up through the equipment and break something there, but it wouldn't hurt our people. And it would allow them the chance to be able to do that work without being in harm's way. And the thing with a tool like that is that it has to be readily available. You have to train on it. You have to make sure people understand how to use it. And they have to understand the alternatives, that there's no more reaching your hand in there. We're not going to have that. So there's creative solutions there that we can use as safety professionals to be the and. Because so many times we hear that or. We can either do it safe or we can do it with good productivity. I call bull on that. We can do it safe. And we can do it the right way with profitability. That's how the world works. There's always the ability to find it out with good problem solving. Anyway, I don't want to jump on that soapbox. <laughs> so summertime is upon us last week. Some unprecedented temperatures in the Northwest. Hopefully you're staying safe in the heat. Hopefully you're using some sunscreen. You've got your hat. You've You've got your sunglasses. You're keeping yourself in the shade where you need to be. This is a great plug for the NIOSH Heat Stress app. If you've downloaded it, that's fantastic. Just search it on any web browser, the NIOSH Heat Stress app. It's really just a temperature gauge. It uses local weather forecast to tell you if you're in any kind of danger or what kind of precautions to take based on the outdoor temperature. It's a nice little gauge. It's a nice little handy item to have at your disposal home, work, anytime, just to know that, hey, we're, we're keeping up with it. You're watching out for yourself. So until the next time that we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.